Hey, it's Kelvin again, the See Here Love Floor Manager. Well, today's show is for all of us men, because today we're listening to you about mental health struggles, fears, and anxieties. We want to learn, we want to help, we want to provide tools, we want to give you hope. That's coming up right now. Thanks again, Calvin. You do those openers so well. And I know this show is going to be so good for men and for women. And so glad that Dr. Mary, psychologist, podcaster, and author is back to talk about this one. Dr. Mary, welcome. Thank you. Well, yeah. I, yeah. Dr. Mary, I know you've mentioned that you're seeing more men come to your practice and they're coming with the issues of anxiety. Does that surprise you at a time like this or not? No, no. I've been seeing it for quite some time. And of course, the stress of now is causing everything to accelerate. Uh, interestingly, I would say is that men aren't necessarily coming in saying I have anxiety. They're talking about burnout. They're talking about stress. They're talking about insomnia, all these other names. When we dig deep, it turns out it's actually anxiety. Really? And how is that manifesting? Like how is anxiety manifesting in the home and in the workplace with men? Well, that's a great question. And that's part of the reason why people don't come in. Men don't come in and say I have anxiety because typically you see instead more irritability, anger, control issues, withdrawing, um, you know, like health issues, but it comes out in different ways. Okay. So that's fascinating. Well, that's interesting because I think probably a lot of um, spouses are saying Actually, I'm seeing my husband being more withdrawn and playing video games more in his garage. I'm seeing him work 13, 15 hours um, at work. When does he really need to? I'm seeing more anger and control. And what you're saying is that that's stemming with anxiety, but also something else. You're saying there's right. actually more of a core to this. Right, there is. I mean, aside from the stress that men are under, uh, I think there's a couple of underlying um, emotions that are triggering the anxiety. I think fear which makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but fear sounds like such a, a vulnerable emotion that men aren't really allowed to acknowledge. But the second emotion that a lot of men don't even consider is shame. And okay. shame is that I don't feel good enough. There's something wrong with me or I'm not performing well enough. I'm a failure. Those are kinds of some of the messages that men, if they're conscious of it, will tend to fight. And so when shame and fear are underlying the emotion um, underlying the anxiety, they're so uncomfortable that men often don't want to feel it. And so they can get distracted or they can cover it up with okay. anger because anger gives them a sense of like power and control. Right. Whereas shame and fear just seem so vulnerable right. and that can be difficult for them. So Dr. Mary, fear, I, I, it makes sense that um, are a lot of men coming saying, I'm fearing the loss or fearing my future, especially in a year like this, especially with COVID, I can see a lot of anxiety for men because they are not in control of their circumstances, literally. You know, the challenge with men when they go to anger and expressing their anxiety is that what they actually need is empathy, mm -hmm. connection, reassurance, affirmation, all those really important uh, ways of being able to feel centered once again. But with anger, unfortunately, what it does is it pushes people right. away, withdraw, and they move away from the very thing that they would help them um, deal with their anxiety. 
Dr. Mary, that's so helpful. Even think as I think about in my relationship with Chris, when things get escalated, I think that's great. Affirmations and encouragement uh, to provide that safe and loving place for him. Um, you know, when anxious times and feelings come up. So that's so helpful. Thank you so much again for being with us. And I look forward to talking with you in the next shows coming up. Great. Thank you. Well, I have been so looking forward to listening and learning from this men's panel right from the get-go when we were guesting for this show. And so I am thrilled to welcome Tim Bergman, pastor in Sylvan Lake, beautiful Sylvan Lake, Alberta. Tim, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for being here. Drew Brown, social activist, musician, and extraordinaire producer. Drew, welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Linda. <laughs> and Jonathan Puddle, podcaster, pastor, and author. So we welcome, Jonathan. So we've Thank got you. two pastors in the house and a producer. This is going to be a fun panel. Get ready. Well, I just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for being on the show, especially around this topic of mental health. Uh, we, it was interesting as we were guesting the show how there were a number of men who did not want to be on the show because they didn't want to out themselves that they had mental health challenges. I want to ask you, uh, why is there still a stigma? Why are men still struggling with being honest about their mental health challenges? Jonathan, let's start with you. Why is that? One one thing on, on the outing themselves, in the United States, if you're a medical doctor and it's known that you have mental health issues, that can be like a, a pre-existing health condition. And so now your insurance is void. Hmm. So like that's a systemic issue, but deeper uh, masculine formation is certainly improved, but there's this set of permissible emotions for men. And I think for, for women too, but for men, it's specifically like anger, certain forms of happiness, as long as it's not too much. And anything outside of those kind of emotions, we're not prepared to deal with them. And most men haven't been modeled them. You know, mm -hmm. most of us don't have a clear figure of healthy emotional expression. And so if we're not experts, we're just not going to open up. We're not going to deal with it. Wow, that's interesting. Drew, what about for you? Why, why is there still a stigma for men around mental health struggles? Well, I mean, for a lot of men, any kind of weakness is shameful. And so that's a, a huge thing, especially when you think about even the Christian context. Like, if you struggle with anxiety, then what's wrong with your faith? And that's like, that's, that's what probably people think, or you obviously you, you don't, you know, your faith in God isn't strong enough because you're dealing with this. And that's not the case, obviously, mm -hmm. but these are some of the arguments that people have with themselves because they've heard it from other people as they've been growing up. And so, yeah, it's, it's very easy and understandable why men would do that. And very unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Tim, your thoughts around that. Yeah, I mean, those guys were, they've nailed it. <laughs> a lot of things I would say. I think maybe part of it is that we're not, um, we're not great verbalization people. We have, uh, we use fewer words. And, uh, and so it's just hard to get the right words around to say what it is that we're feeling without it coming across that we, yeah, like they say, that we're weak or broken or something like that. Mm -hmm. And we're terrified of that. We always want to put our best foot forward, uh, start with our strengths. Here's what's great about me. That's what we want people to see. We sure don't want them to see where we're broken or uh, wounded or whatever. Right. Wow. You know, I want to get right to your stories about your own personal mental health struggles. And so, Jonathan, I know that for your story, you've really had to work from sort of like a, a self-hatred to a self-love. 
So I really appreciate Tim's point about uh, so many men not being very clear communicators, especially about their emotional state. I'm one of those guys who is wordy and communicative, but I didn't have permission to feel my emotions. I didn't know what they were. I, I'm a guy with big, strong feelings, but for most of my life, they felt like a liability. Add to that, you know, marital dysfunction of my parents, my father with clinical depression for years. I go through workplace burnout twice before I turn 30, and I'm having panic attacks, uh, serious depression, and there's, there's this guilt and this shame. So I ended up on this journey where it felt like God said, you need to learn to love yourself. And I was like, no, <laughs> sorry, that's not a part of this. You know, love your neighbor instead of yourself. Isn't that what the Bible says? Uh, no, turns out that's not what the Bible says. Love your neighbor as yourself. So as I began to move towards myself and compassion and kindness and love, treated myself gently, I found I was actually able to open up all those inner rooms inside me where there was pain, where there was loss, where there was grief, mm. where there was anger that was righteous. Yeah. It wasn't, anger wasn't sinful. Bad, hard, painful things had happened to me. And anger is the good and right thing to feel when you mm. have been violated. So wow. learning to express all of those mm -hmm. things, learning to see myself with love and grace was absolutely transformative. Beautiful. That's really encouraging, I think. And it was a process and a journey for you. It's not an overnight fix, but this has been a journey for you um, to come to that self-love. Thank you. That's Very powerful. Much so. Beautiful. Drew, for you, anxiety as we talk about it. In a year like this, I'm in your own you know, situation, being a black man in Canada. I mean, there's a lot of anxiety. It, talk to me about that experience, your personal present experience around anxiety today. Yeah, um, what Jonathan sort of mentioned, like these things, these things of trauma sort of stay in your body. Your, the body keeps the score. And so that's very, very true. It's it's definitely true for many people of color across the world. Um, for me personally, um, yeah, it's been a hard year, but apart from Corona, <laughs> even outside of that, um, both in my inner world, my outer world has been in torment and personal hardships, yeah, yeah, pandemic, you know, fighting white supremacy and racism. Um, as these things are coming up to the surface, and now we can all see it very cl more clearly now. And doing the work in these spaces and issues with, you know, faith and the view of self, much like Jonathan, um, it creates a hotbed of trauma that kind of like sits there and simmers and layers of grief, grief and anxiety. Um, actually to the point where my creativity was stifled completely. Um, and even the smallest tasks seem like mountains. Mm. Um, and so what, what I've been learning about that is um, actually uh, two things. Um, the power of grace, showing grace to myself. Um, when, when the anxiety is, you know, is, is grippling and, and, and stopping me from doing anything. And I was always kind of person who'd be like, dude, shape up, let's go, come on. Like, like brush it off, come on. Oh. I was always that guy. Not to other people. When other people show these things, you know, anxiety, depression, super gracious. How can I help you? You know, do what you got to do. I'll, I'll, whatever you need to do. I need to show that grace to myself. Um, there's a writer, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, and she has this quote, um, grace will take you places that hustling can't. <laughs> and for me, I was like, if I just sort of slow myself down a little bit and go easy on myself, 
not giving myself a, a get out of jail free card, not saying that, trust me, I'm not saying that, but showing myself the same kind of patience that I would show like my daughter learning how to read or ride a bike. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're not going to, you don't get angry. You, start, you support. It's that slow, steady, supportive movement of grace that I need to show wow. myself. And that really helps the anxiety yeah, a lot. That's good. Grace. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Drew. So, Tim, you struggled for 20 years with anxiety and depression. Do I get a pin or something? Yeah. Or like, uh, you know. Tim, I'm trying to be really serious about that. Do you notice my voice tone? But 20 years of anxiety and depression, you've been open about it. Uh, talk to us about just a little just bit about that journey um, to a point where you felt safe to share about it and, and what you're learning through through this yeah. experience. Well, and there's different reasons for it, right? And some of my reasons were because uh, from my own depression, anxiety, or uh, sort of poor choices I made, foolish ways I was thinking. And uh, uh, and some of them are chemical imbalances in my systems, some hereditary things. So there's all these different, um, this little um, concoction of reasons for why I struggle with depression, anxiety. When it first happened, I, you know, I didn't, didn't like it at all. I didn't understand it at first. And then I was just like, oh my goodness, this can't be happening. And um, probably because I hate the idea of limits. You know, I've been, uh, I've always been able to kind of do whatever I want to do and live with whatever kind of uh, freedom, whatever, whatever you dream you can do. And, um, and so then when these, these uh, significant limits, um, I was off work for seven months one time, then I was off work for uh, a year and I got let go from my job because of these things. And, and it's just, you know, your worst case scenario kind of comes true. Right. And um, so that was, it was difficult. It's, it's been a difficult journey just to try and understand that and accept that. And um, I think for me, maybe one of the most significant ways to help me was this idea that um, Philippians 2 says, um, Jesus Christ being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. And so this idea that Jesus, the Jesus way is to embrace limits. Hmm. And uh, he took on flesh. He became a servant. He became, uh, you know, um, a human. And so his way is to embrace limits. The thing that repulses me is embracing limits. So one of us is wrong. And, uh, you know, (laughs) in time I began to see it was likely me. And um, that embracing limits was the Jesus way. This is actually a beautiful thing. And um, we prayed a lot that I'd get healed, whatever. And, and there's been lots of healing. Um, uh, I've had lots of, lots of release from it. Interestingly, this has been a really tough week for me. So, hey, just getting prepped for this. And, um, uh, but that Jesus understands limits and that he's okay with that. Yeah. And that it's good. And so the prayer I pray to God is, oh, God, just you know, set me free from this so that I can be, um, so I can be what? So I cannot be dependent on you anymore. That's not really a prayer he's interested in answering, right? He wants me close to him and dependent on him. And so this is done just wonders for me and my faith. And I love Christ more than I've ever loved him. I feel his love more than ever. And so then um, I just want to, I just want to boast in that suffering, boast in that brokenness and uh, let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, it's good. You know, one last thought as somebody is listening and and watching and is struggling right now with anxiety, depression, or their wives or partners or friends are watching them. I just want to go and and ask all of you, but what would you say to them, Jonathan, today? I would say take a deep breath and tell yourself 
This too shall pass. God is here. God loves me. I'm allowed to ask for help. And I'm allowed to give myself the things I need for safety and thriving. Mm. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Jonathan. Drew? Mm. I think there's power in, uh, this might sound a little bit weird, but even in the idea of uh, lament, um, a lot of times anxiety comes because there's pain, um, there's trauma. And so the idea of lamenting, moving from protest to praise, but even more so doing so in community, I can really stir up a sense of hope in the people, but also, uh, but also a sense of like, you're not alone in this. Um, we are in this together and we're all we're, none of us are okay right now. <laughs> and even that can be comforting and calming and soothing to the soul. So I would say find spaces and places where laments can be brought. Mm, good advice. Thank you, Drew. And Tim? Those are so good. I love it. And, um, you know, uh, Scripture tells us to renew our minds, fix our, fix our minds on the right things. And so what saved my life is just been uh, memorizing Scripture and getting that in my head and um, hearing God's voice all the time when I lie down, when I get up, I just hear my father just whispering into my mind, whispering into my heart, and uh, that saved me. Yep. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan, Drew, and Tim, for being here today, for being honest and courageous as you share about your own journeys with your mental health struggles. I know that many uh, will be encouraged and inspired in their own struggles and journey as well. So thank you so much for being here. Hey, it's Kelvin again, interrupting the conversation to let you know that you can find more inspiring content, full interviews, behind the scenes, and trivia contests with our guests on YouTube. You can also follow See Here Love's Instagram and Facebook for daily encouragement. And one more thing, if you like what See Here Love is doing, please support us at seeherelove.com slash give. Thanks, and now back to the show. Well, earlier I sat down with Dr. Greg Jantz, the founder of the Center Place of Hope for the Treatment of Depression. He's a world-renowned expert on depression, anxiety, and abuse, and he's also a best-selling author of 40 books. To talk to him about his tips and strategies on helping men navigate through their mental health struggles. Well, welcome, Dr. Jantz, uh, to See Here Love and to my home. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're with us, especially on the topic of men and anxiety. And I know that you have a lot to say, answers uh, to anxiety. Actually, help our, our guest panelists that were just before this who are struggling. What are your answers for anxiety today, Dr. Jans? You know, first of all, we need to say that anxiety is the number one issue globally. World Health Organization says it's way above depression right now. And so we're seeing anxiety that is paralyzing people. And anxiety means you have physical symptoms. It's different than worry. So you have physical symptoms. Maybe you're waking up at night, heart rate is up. You may have sweaty palms. Anxiety paralyzes our ability to make good decisions. So here's what we need to look at. Number one, how long has this been going on? How many physical symptoms do you have? Let's say it's been three months. You're not sleeping well, you're not eating well. And here's the next thing to look at. With my anxiety, am I turning to self-destructive behaviors? Here's what that looks like. Am I using alcohol to cope? Am I uh, using drugs, misusing prescription drugs, using food? Am I doing some kind of diversion behavior 
to help me deal with my anxiety. Uh, so those are some things to look at immediately because we know that anxiety has a predictable course. Left untreated, it can take you down that road that ends in despair. And despair means I'm really thinking irrationally. Wow. So as these men were sharing about the stigma and their journey, what are some practical tips, encouragement for somebody today struggling with anxiety? It's, it's overwhelming. Maybe they're ashamed of it. What would you say to them, Dr. Jens? Well, I would say, first of all, it's a common experience right now, but make the decision. Here's the decision. I'm making the decision to reset. I'm going to reset some things emotionally. So look at my self-care, number one. That's sleep. That's nutrition. Hey, by the way, when people are anxious, they tend to drink less water. Am I getting my liter of water in a day? How am I doing with some of the basics? Number two is I've got to keep physical activity up, movement. So maybe I need to go out and do that 20-minute walk several times a day, but I got to keep moving physically. And as I move physically, I've got to have a way to renew my thinking, my mind, this executive function right up here. So um, I'm doing something. It's the old-fashioned way. It's a three-by-five card, um, and I'm writing a truth. I'm writing a something on this three by five card that I'm pulling out of my pocket when I'm going out there for that walk, I'm saying it out loud um, because you've got to begin to put some truth in. I love that. Now for the people who are like, it sounds good, but I can't even get out of bed. I can't yeah. even like, physically do that. How do I start getting my brain and body going? What's that sort of first step if I'm really lost? Well, and that's a lot of folks are in that place right now. First yeah. step is if I can't do it on my own, I probably will be more isolated and it's time to ask for help. Okay. So it really may be, I need to pick up the phone, find out what my options are. Um, you know, we're helping people right now all over, uh, plugging them into different uh, resources because we know this is a critical time. And in a way, I'm calling it pandemic purgatory. <laughs> in other words, you don't want to go back to the past. The present's a little miserable, but we're really anxious about the future as well. Don't stay stuck in that position. Ask for help. I love it. Those are some key learnings. It's asking for help. Yes. It's nutrition and sleep. It's getting out physically. It's writing affirmations and truth. I mean, I, I really love that, Dr. Jans, because it's intentional choices and decisions that we need Absolutely. to make. And, and I think too, what would you say to people who are seeing people that are going through anxiety? What's the best thing that we can do as we look at friends and family, loved ones that are struggling today? You know, they need two things from us. They need love and acceptance versus judgment and a critical spirit. Good. It may be difficult when you have an anxious person around you go, just come on, come on, get, shake this off. <laughs> you, know, you, you can grow impatient. Uh, you can grow irritable. You can grow judgmental or critical. Um, right now, we need to speak a good word over them and have empathy for what they're experiencing and encourage them in the process of getting help. Yeah, that's good. Dr. Jans, I know our viewers and listeners are saying, Dr. Jans, uh, we want some of your resources. How can our viewers and listeners connect with you and the work that you do to help them on this journey uh, in it with anxiety? I have a lot of very good resources and even some checklists uh, on the website, aplaceofhope.com, aplaceofhope.com. Well, Dr. Jans, thank you so much. Thank you for your presence, your wisdom, and your words today. I know that it is going to help many uh, men 
and people today as they listen to you. So thanks so much. That is our hope. Thanks, Mel and the panel. Love the courage and power of what's been shared. Uh, I'm Dr. Josh Cruz. I'm a psychologist, one of the pastors at Village Church. It is an honor to bring you the good word today. Anxiety, other mental health struggles, they touch all of us in one way or another. I mean, I have the privilege of coming alongside people who struggle. I, I get to hear their stories. And, and imagine you know people who struggle significantly, or maybe it's you who struggles. Anxiety in particular, it has a way of making us feel scared, feel, feel weak, and often weighed down. Isaiah 41.10, I love this passage. It's a great anchoring verse for all of us, especially when anxiety is spinning us out of control. So Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I mean, if somebody walked into my office, sat down, told me about their fears, and I said, do not fear, Uh, don't be dismayed, don't be distressed, they'd probably, I mean, they might get up and leave, actually, um, or in the least feel invalidated. It's like, you just, you don't get it. I mean, how can you say that? Um, What do you know? Do you have some sort of information I don't? I just told you about all my fears here, and how could you say that? And, And it comes down to this. God says, for I am your God, for I am with you. And he goes on to say, I will strengthen you and help you. I I will uphold you. He takes our fears and he anchors them in truth. He understands our fears. I mean, more fully than we do. And he says in love, know who I am, for I am your God. Know I am with you. You are not alone in this. And know what I can do. I mean, we can use these truths to help us in our fears. We can use them to encourage others as well. When we come to him with our burdens, with our worries, with our fears, he says he'll give rest for our souls. When you go to him, he can pour out his spirit on you, which includes love, joy, peace, which is so needed in times of fear. I encourage you, go to him as he has wide open arms. He is the only one who can truly say, do not fear. How come? For I am with you. He will give you rest and strength to go forward. The world is changing, but the Word of God remains unchanged. So, Kelvin, as a man, looking and listening to the show, what'd you think? What are your thoughts? There's so much to think about, right? Because uh, it, it can be tough. It can be a tough thing. You're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be invincible. You know, this is the stereotype you grow up with. So when you're not, you don't want to identify and say, yeah, you know what? I'm hurting. There's emotion here that I don't want to deal with and I don't want to talk about. Uh, so I'm good. I'm yeah. good. So this show is speaking to you. I think it's hopefully going to help you also when you watch it back. I think it'll help a lot of guys. I really do. <laughs> Thanks, Calvin. I'm also so glad that Josh Cruz, in the good word, mentioned the verse Isaiah 41.10. You know, that's my life verse, and I truly live by it. Don't fear, don't be anxious. God will help me, and he's with me, even when it doesn't feel like it, and I'm deeply struggling. That truth, my family, friends, and church community, along with professional help, helped me get through my own depression and mental health struggles, and I'm so thankful for all of it, for all of them, for God's promise to me and to you. 
And so I hope you were encouraged like Calvin was with our show today. I'm grateful for our brave panel and for those who are working tirelessly to support and help those who are struggling with anxiety and depression today. For more information on our show, our panel, our guests, go to seeherelove.com because we have a lot of support for you in your own mental health struggles. And always know that as you struggle, as you take a breath and pause today through the darkness or fog that you're feeling, I wanna encourage you with this truth, that you are seen, you are heard, and you are deeply loved by God. See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.